Welcome, everybody, to Self-Evident Podcast. You got Massey and Mike, and we are on podcast number 57. Uh, we are back because guess what? There's a lot going on in our country. Just like you saw last week, we did a thing on Buttigieg, and uh, we did one on Sanders. We What else did we talk about in that podcast? Electoral College. Electoral College, which is really cool, and now Buttigieg. He today... Dropped out about an hour ago before we were going to record. He dropped out, so he's done. So, I guess our whole debate about Buttigieg was moot. I won, doesn't matter. I won. I mean, it wasn't a head to head anymore, so it doesn't really count. But I won, so really, it's a draw. But I won, but it's a draw. But I won, but really, Sanders isn't going to win. It's true. He's not going to win at all. So technically, it's a draw. I still think Buddha Judge would have done better. <laughs> so today's going to be a unique podcast. What we really wanted to cover is, um, you know, many of you know I'm an assistant pastor. Mike is the pastor of the young adults over at our church. And, and you know, what we're really seeing right now is, is in the midst of darkness, we need teachings on leadership. And so we're going through a lot of series at our church right now on leadership. I've, ta- I've taught a few things on Wednesday night. I usually preach on some Wednesday nights and um, and, and I've taught on leadership. I do, uh, you know, with our staff and stuff like that, I'll teach on leadership principles, just stuff that I learned, uh, stuff that I didn't get in a book because I don't like to read books much except history or the Bible or, or something like that. So I don't read. I've never read a book on leadership. I don't know what that is. You yeah. know, I just know what God put in me. And I think that people can benefit from just being submissive to, to being uh, accountable, um, to, to knowing what to say, when to say and how to say it, uh, to love one another. That's really where uh, a lot of leadership comes from his love. Do you love where you're at? Did God put you at where you're at? And uh, so we're going to be ministering. Hopefully, we're going to be speaking to you through through what we've been through uh, in our short little lives. You know, I'm almost 40. I just turned 39 uh, this year. Uh, I'm almost 40, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, my pops, uh, when he was in his 30s, I was thinking, man, he's old, you know, so we're getting kind of getting up there in it age. It scares me. It, yeah, it kind of <laughs> does. It kind of does because it's like half my life is done, you know, and and well, at least what was promised to me, half my life is done. And and you look at, man, you know, did did we did we create an impact? Did we do you know everything that that God put in our hearts to do? Did we did we say what we needed to say? Did we did we go out and practice what we preached? Did we do to the best of our ability to what we knew that God was telling us to do? And were we perfect in it? Absolutely not. One of the big leadership uh, tenets that we need to discuss too is our failures. You know, I, I think being vulnerable. Last Wednesday, I actually preached on vulnerability and how it's yeah. not bad because uh, Paul said in Corinthians. He said, in Second Corinthians, he said, uh, I therefore glory in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may shine through me. And so it's not bad to be weak. And he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So we're going to go on a little bit of a leadership teaching now. Um, and <clears throat> I'm going to start it off with this quote, actually, from John Adams. And John Adams said this. He said, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more and become more, you're a leader. Listen to that. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, become more, then you're a leader. And if you look at that in its context, it's not that you're inspiring them because you do. You may inspire them because of your failure, too. Like my my limit or where I'm at right now should be someone else's floor. So my my floor should be someone else's ceiling right now. Where I'm at right now, leadership, I hope that people like yourself or anybody around me, would learn from that, right? And kind of climb that mountain. So step on me to get up further. Any good leader wants the people that are under them to be bigger leaders and better leaders. Any good leader wants someone to achieve and and to achieve right. And, you know, in a lot of cases, really good leaders don't just point out problems. They point out problems to bring solutions that you can be a better leader. It's not just nitpicking. That's not leadership. That's just being a a jerk. You know, really, it's, it's not... 
being a, a, a leader. Yeah. And this, this quote I think is really important to pay attention to because it says, you know, I'm going to read it again. Go if ahead. your action inspires others to dream more, learn more, do more and become more, you are a leader. Right. And so I'm going to use a success for the, Go for the it. opener because we all want to open with success. Right. Um, and this is still new and still fresh, but yeah. you know, watching what the, the young adults are doing, right? So we've, we've formed these teams and we've, to give you guys a little insight into what's going on, we've, we've formed teams for different areas. So we've got like a worship team, but we've also got production team. We've got a media team. And then we've also got the spiritual side, you know, like prayer team, healing team, so forth. And what's happening now is they're, taking it on themselves. And one thing that I've been telling them a lot is you guys are running with it. And that's what's encouraging to me. Now, I'm not thumping my chest of like, no, I fulfill Adam's quote on. No, this is, this is good. But the, the sign of a healthy team, right. And, and hopefully healthy leadership is that your leaders are taking it on and running with it. That's right. And they're moving forward. That's right. And, I've also been in situations where there's leadership that's like compressed that absolutely and, and kept it down to where it's you just follow orders. And if you move outside of the box, then you're doing it wrong. Just do what I've told you to do. Um, and with this group right now, what I'm seeing and what I've tried to really push them to do is be independent in their leadership. Like this isn't mine. This is yours, right? Now I come alongside and I counsel and I give wisdom and That's I help right. direct and, and give them discernment where they need it. But the the most beautiful thing to watch as a leader when you're raising up other leaders is to see them actually take it on their own. Exactly. And move forward, right? And so that's the success that I, I wanted to open with is like when you're a leader yep. and you're a good leader, once again, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a good leader, but, yeah, but hey, you there's you a need, success somewhere in there. You yeah, know? I don't even think you need to say that. Like we know that, you know, a good leader wants to praise his team. You know, someone just asked me recently. Again, it's not tooting horns; it's just the truth. He said, "What's the, what's the hardest part about leadership to you?" I said, "Staying staying really focused because yeah. what what happens is, is I get the vision and I want to run in every direction. You know what I mean, and just get it all done. But the problem is, if you don't stay focused." Um, you end up losing the vision, yeah. right? And 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 I heard this saying a long time ago: uh, "Don't lose the Lord of the work by doing the work of the Lord." And so it's easy to do that because we just we have so many ideas, and you know, dude, I, I, I'm not knocking what the what what uh, programs can do or marketers can do. I think that's mm -hmm. important, and that they're gifted to do those things. But sometimes we depend on the method. You know, was it Ian Bounds that wrote in a book of prayer? It's actually right there, that thick one. And it says, uh, uh, while man uh, searches for better methods, God's just looking for better men. Sometimes it's not the method that'll get you to the end. Yeah. So he asked me, so what's the hardest part? I said, staying focused, making sure that the, 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 you know, the leaders have everything they need. And then my, my, my seniors, you know, making sure that they, you know, the, the people above us. He said, what's the coolest part about leadership? I said, when the team wins. Yeah. That was easy. Like when the team wins, when, when someone does their job and they have fruit in it, dude, there mm -hmm. is no greater feeling than watching them succeed and you had not even like a, a pith of that like a part in that but just that you were in their life to see that happen and champion yeah. them there's nothing like it right yeah and i think that's the success and and that handing over of the mantle 
Um, so one of my young adult leaders texted me today and say, Hey, I'm going to have so-and-so and so-and-so over, you know, the, the two people in their team. And, and we're really going to be praying about how to move forward on this for our group and our objective. And I, I, I sent a gif of like a, oh, like a happy <laughs> overwhelm. It's like, I'm so dang proud of you. Right. Because, yeah. because when you watch somebody move forward in it, you know, and, it's and unique, take dude. it as their own. It's, it's, it's unique. It's not even like, oh, that's my victory. I no, I'm proud of you that that man, you you're doing it. What an experience. You're moving forward. Yeah. You're you're growing, you're you're taking charge of this and taking it as your own and you're you're finding the purpose in it and the 100%. meaning in it. You know, and, and I think that's something that, you know, if you guys are aspiring to be leaders or you are leaders, like you look at how much people are actually buying into your mission. That's exactly it. If they're not buying into your mission, you either have not conveyed it and encouraged it well enough, or it's the wrong mission, and you have the wrong people in that to, mission. That's right. In that mission, that's right? right? And and I think that's something that you know I've watched in terms of failure is and and done myself of like I. Not bringing it together, not not bringing everybody in and moving forward or, you know, like I've put up with bosses who are micromanagers, you know, and, and they want to do all of it. They they either have the vision or they just know how to get something Truth. done. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, the sermon today, you know, if you guys go on. Revive, oh, re- beautiful. I know, dude, reviveusnow.com, our pastor Todd, he, he did a sermon today on, on leadership. It, but the, 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 the topic he did it on was followership and, and how to follow it. He talks about the different leaders he was under and how mm-hmm. now some of those leaders that were good and bad, we all benefit from what he learned under those leaders. Yeah. We, we do. Some of them taught him how to rest because they worked him to the dog, into the bone 18 hours a day. Yeah. To some, they were micromanagers and he learned not to micromanage. He learned, you know, it's, it's better with communication, not micromanagement and, you know, stuff like that. So we're all benefiting from what he learned. And you guys got to go on there, reviveusnow.com. Check it out. It was a killer sermon. But <clears throat> one of the things that I think... Um, we, we, we need to get across is what does leadership look like for you and I? Uh, what does leadership look like as a Christian? Uh, and, and this may be a topical thing. Who knows? We may, yeah. we may be doing this for, for, for a minute here. We don't know. But what I, one of the things I wanted to talk about is inspiring, right? And, and we saw that here with the Adams quote. Uh, but in Scripture, in 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, was it 2 Corinthians? Yes, yeah. it was 2 Corinthians. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. One, no, I'm sorry. It was Ephesians. I'm, I'm thinking oh, the I other. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Paul quote. No, I'm, I'm thinking actually about Ephesians 5, uh, 25. And if you and, and this is if you can hear this with your spiritual, it's not just talking about husbands to wives. It's actually talking about God, Christ to us. Yeah, really. It says husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word that he might present himself to himself. The church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And so there's a lot to unpack there, but let's Mm -hmm. talk about this, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I think about this in in a sense where, you know, I'll take I'll I'll translate those words. Bosses, love your workers, you know, uh, uh, masters, love your workers, love your servants, love those who are under you as Christ loved the church. Game so forth. Now, it's a different kind of love here that he's talking about with husbands and wives. Obviously, it's a deeper love. It's, it's a created relationship. But there's when you look at how Christ loved the church, you can talk about a hundred different ways that Christ loved the church. Some of us as husbands, let's just go with the husband realm for a minute, right? 
we we get our wives flowers on February fourteenth. We we give them a, a card or two sometimes when, when when you know when they're feeling down or you know we maybe made the mats. We go get them some chocolates. You know, and and if they need a, a spa day, we go get them that. You know, sometimes we give them the credit card. And say, hey, go shopping for a little bit. It is so much more, so much, so much deeper than that. So much deeper. How did Christ love the church? Well, first off, he equipped it. He he first engaged them. He engaged them into their calling. He he brought them into the fold and said, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of of all men. Right to the wife, you're engaging her into a walk and a unity with you as a person. Right? How did Christ love us? The same way he engaged me as his bride, right? And he's the husbandman. And so he engaged me to say, Hey, if you follow me and if you take up a cross, you'll have these treasures in heaven. You'll inherit the kingdom of God. You'll have these great and precious promises. You may go through trials, but uh, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. There is all these promises that come up, right? And how does Christ do that? Dude, the one thing people point to is Jesus died for the church. But he didn't just die for them. That's sacrificial. Yeah. He rose again for them and gave them life. If you're not constantly speaking life into your people, into your wife, into your kids, that's number one. Like if you're not willing to, to look at your wife, if you're not willing to look at your workers, if you're not willing to look at your kids, if you're not willing to look at the people around you, if you're not able to speak life into them, because when did Jesus ever speak condemnation to his people or God? He only did it to those who were dis, uh, uh, disobeying him. When he went to the, the Pharisees, it was those that are, he said those would be weeping and gnashing of teeth to those that didn't follow the commandments of God. They knew the truth and didn't walk in it. Yeah. They willfully disobeyed the things of God, right? But look what Christ does to his bride. If I'm married to a wife, I want to speak life into her. You know, Todd talked about it today. The, 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 uh, when you talk about submission, the word submission, uh, wives submit to your husbands and you know all that stuff. Yeah. It's actually here, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. It's actually verse 22. That word submission or subject um, is, is in the Greek. It actually is a military term. And, you know, he was talking about there's generals, there's captains, there's uh, lieutenants, there's uh, 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 sergeants, you know, there's corporals and there's privates, right? Well, to us, you know, the, the colonels, the, the head guy, right? The three-star generals, these guys are the colonels. These guys are up in the echelons, right? For us, we may be the lieutenants, the sorry, you know, the, the, the yeah. lieutenants or the, the captains or the, the majors, whatever, right? That's where God placed us. And the woman he places in a, in a different kind of category. And all that means is, is that we're responsible as heads of the house to make sure that the, the, the house runs good. You as bosses, you as bosses are responsible. You as pastors are responsible for the souls that you carry, the, the souls that you're over. You're responsible for how you treat them. You're responsible for how you speak over them. You're responsible how about, gosh, guys, how you compensate them. You know, one of the big disparities that we're seeing today from the left is women or people aren't making a good wage. Let's kind of go with this for a minute, okay? Yeah. I kind of agree with them. I'm not saying government action should be taken, but hear me out before you all turn. Oh, he went liberal. No, I didn't. The price of products and services and goods have gone up tremendously in the past 20 years. But wages have kind of stayed stagnant. Now, people will say, oh, start your business. Well, wait a second. You know how many businesses get started and fail? Right. Nine out of 10 fail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so you have these companies that, 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 that will pay 15 bucks an hour, but even the same, that's a stupid plan because that's not a living wage anymore either. You know, no. it's not, none of that is a living wage. Right. But the price of goods and services go up, but the wages stay kind of minimal. Right. What's a guy to do? What is he supposed to do? People be, again, Oh, you, you, you got to cut less. You got to live with less. You got to do. Okay, cool. Or could the, could the, could we preach to these people and say, you know, how you treat your employees? Do you like what would it hurt you 
right? As a, as a business owner to take $2 million less of your salary to invest back in your people. Yeah. What would that hurt? Would it hurt you? Well, I've, I've watched it firsthand of, you know, watching that disparity of ownership making a lot of money off of the business and creating wages to the point where it's just enough to keep a person around but not quite enough to be a full paycheck unless they work overtime. I was going to say they're working 60 plus hours a week. Exactly. Right. And that's, yeah, it's a smart business move if, if you're kind of cutthroat. Right. And, and to a certain extent, I'm, I kind of understand it. I understand the idea. Look, yeah, you, you get your most value if you can do that. But at the same time, there's a callousness and a lack of humanity exa- in that whole idea. That's the word. You know, if, if what what would it look like for you to spend a hundred thousand more a year on payroll if you're profiting eight hundred thousand to a million? You know, and and I'm not sitting in your shoes, but we're talking about profit, right? So what would it be to cut, you know, ten to fifteen percent of your profit and put it back into your employees' payroll? You know, and 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 give wages that are above average, as opposed to trying to cut under the competing average of everybody else. Yeah, and you and know. again, you, you as CEOs, I'm not blaming you for for getting what you're worth. No. I think you should, right? But aren't your employees worth it too? Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't you want to keep them around, especially if they're good? You know, you give them a once a year raise, good for them. But like, dude, they bust their butts every day. They got families. They you know, kids go to school. Some of them have health health challenges. I mean, what I'm saying is you as a boss are responsible for how you treat your employee as a Christian, right? Yeah. This is, we're talking about leadership here. Like, you're held accountable for those things. You're held accountable for how you, you are a leader. So how I treat the employees at, at our church, you know, being over them in some sense, you know, like uh, how I give them advice, how I lead before them, how I do and how I say and what I say. Um, things are caught, not taught, I once heard. It's true. Yeah. Things are caught. You know, people catch you what you do. They don't, you can preach all stinking day long, man. And then they see your actions. They, they catch that way, it's, way better. It's if there's one thing that a leader needs to take away immediately and really take to heart is it's not word, it's action. Um, because the most dangerous part of saying words is the promises that can be made and the words that can be spoken. But what comes to fruition and what really shows are the actions. So, when your employee is watching you say, oh, I really care about my employees, I care about you, but then an action is made that's contrary to that, you lose it. That's right. Right? That's right. You've lost it because the actions last longer in the employee's mind than, than the words ever do. Or they actually compound it to where... The, the discrepancy between the words and the actions actually create more tension within mm. the employee and the follower. That's good. Right. And so I, I think you're absolutely right of like, no, it's it's your action, your behavior. What you do is caught. hundred percent. It's not what you're teaching. That's you know? exactly right. And and since we're on the topic of business, there was actually a um, John Hancock. He was a he was a, what was he, a, ship, a ship owner. He was a, 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 a mariner. You know, he had a, I think he had export import uh, type business. He, I think he inherited it. He said the greatest ability in business is to get along with others and to influence their actions. Influence their actions to do what? You know what I mean? Like I get along with everybody around me to influence their actions to do what? For the team, man. So that the team could grow, you know? And now 
maybe your business is small and you can't pay a lot of people out. That's cool. But as long as you carry the vision with them, as long as you make them see that, hey, they're believing in you because you're being honest, you have integrity, you're full of integrity, you're full of character. Look, I'm telling you this. If you don't have integrity in your business, it'll catch up to you. I pro- it'll, it will. It just does. And, and I've experienced it, not, not personally firsthand from when I'm did it, done it with someone else. I've just seen it happen where, where businesses fall apart because of one sl- a lousy transaction, right, and, and stuff like that. It, how you conduct yourself, it will be held on you. It w- just will. And to those of you that are workers, right, um, it was, I've preached this line a hundred times. Like, you're sowing seeds right now so that if you start your own business or go into another position, that's the kind of, like, how you are to that leader you will have leaders under you, I promise you, yeah. because that's what you tolerate. Yeah. It, it's just, it is what it is. So like how you are with your leader right now, how you are with your boss and stuff like that, if you move up in position, what kind of people do you want under you? Do you want them like you right now? Or do, if you like how you're doing your job, praise God and then move forward. But if you're not, what do you need to change right now, right, to make, to, to, to make it where if you start leading, you're going to have those same type of leaders under you, right? And that's where, again, you're, you're starting to train your mind to uh, back to the husband thing. I remember I was just telling the story today to somebody I had lunch with. I remember when I was in Ohio, I was preaching at a church, uh, at Bobby Mitchell, Dr. Bobby Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at Columbus, Ohio. You've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you were with me. I, not, not that specific time. But I remember my wife and I got into a, a big argument, and I had accused her of like not doing something right with the bank accounts or something. I'm like, why weren't you watching that? I was just accused. I was pissed off. I was really angry. And I remember during when I was preaching, I was praying outside, and I was like, Lord, I shouldn't have got mad, blah, blah, blah. Well, I went in and started preaching. I could hear it so clear, dude. I could hear it so clear. He, 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 I, I could hear it. Oh, man, I, I wish I could tell you how I heard it. I can't physically tell you how I heard it, but I heard it. It was like, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Why did you accuse my daughter like that? <sighs> Satan is the accuser of the brethren. When have I ever accused you? It was just, it was, it, it, was, it just dropped. And I started crying in the middle. Of, and I told the people what I just heard. Right. And you can see the people moved, you know, like they were moved because we're, it's real guys. Like if you're not empowering somebody, that's the next thing you engage. Right. You equip them. You, you have the knowledge. We're going out there and giving people knowledge. We're teaching them how to lead. We're giving them the, the, the tools necessary to lead uh, when they have problems. I'm, I'm I'm helping them navigate those things or they go to a senior like a senior pastor or an elder or something like that. Just where, where the field I'm in or what you're in. Right. You go to your, your higher ups to get you the, the things that you need to understand because they're teaching you how to do your job. So you equip the saints. You make foolproof of your ministry. The Bible says. Right. So you're equipping the saints with the word or you're equipping your workers with the, the tools that they need uh, to go do their jobs because they need the knowledge of how to do it. Right. And then you empower them. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? Right. If you can't empower the people around you, you will never, ever lead successfully. Yeah. It's very hard to find someone who's self-engaged working for you. Usually self-engaged people, usually for the most part, start their own companies. Yeah. But to have someone under you. You usually have to engage them. You have to get them going in it, right? You have to let them find their rhythm. What's their mojo, right? If you're not empowering your wife or you're not empowering your kids, if you're not empowering your employees, if you're not empowering uh, those under you, you're, you're just not a good leader. You're not being a good father. You're not being a good husband. I'm sorry. It's scripture. You, if, if you can't embolden those under you to find something greater than themselves, you're not doing your job. Christ, whenever I pray, I'm empowered constantly to do bigger things in faith. I'm always inspired to go a step higher in faith. I always want to go higher with God. Whenever I start praying and it's impossible, that's the mountain I want to run right there because I see where he moves then if it's impossible. When I'm weak, then he's, the Bible says when I'm weak, then I'm strong. 
not he's strong, then I'm strong because my weakness shows his power. Then I become strong, right? That's what the Bible says. I think more and more that we don't empower the saints to do their job. We don't empower our workers to do their job sometimes. We don't empower our wives to tell them that not only are they beautiful and awesome, that they manage the house well or whatever they do or manage their business or manage their workplace, whatever they're doing. We don't empower them sometimes to just know that they are, they're God's kids, that they're daughters of God. Right, that they're queens in the, in the eyes of the Lord, that they're literally the crown jewel of his eye. They're, they're the apple of his eye. That we empower them to say, no matter what your failure is, you're the one destined by God to do what you're doing. And the world needs you. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a young girl today. Uh, she, I think she's 16. She's 16 now. I said, you know what's so funny? She was having problems. She was, she, was, she was contemplating some tough stuff in her life. And I said, did you know that you were created, just you, for this body? Just you being here at church, you were created to be here for somebody. So the whole purpose you were made was to be an impact where you're at right now, to, to inspire somebody. I love going out and preaching. Matter of fact, next week we're leaving to preach uh, in Texas, uh, in, in Fort Worth. We're going to be at the Great Homeschool Convention. We're going to be doing uh, True Texas Projects. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we were there last year. It was, it was an amazing time. Dude, when, I'm telling you, when, it's, when I'm up there preaching, I don't give a crap what they're dealing with. I don't care what, what they're, what's going on at home. I don't care what's going on in their churches. I don't care what's going on in the world. I am telling you that God moves and that we're empowering them to have a relationship with, Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ. That is the whole mission of this thing. It's empowering people to see that there's greater, something greater than them right now. And so people look at the government and they say, well, if we just get involved in politics, it'll change. No, the power of God will change it because that's the power of God that started it. Through imperfect men, the power of God started it. If you can't empower people to do that, they're never going to get inspired to do this. What's the point? We're fighting for temporal crap. You know, we're going to die one day. And we're going to give an account for our wives and our kids and what we do, right? You have a, you have a little Bambino, right? Little, little Isaac. And your, uh, your beautiful wife, who's amazing. And I mean, look at what she's doing with the young women and all these other things. I mean, she's amazing, right? And if you don't empower her, leave her that space, uh, I, I think that's where men fail. Is that they say, well, my wife doesn't. Did you empower her though? Right? I'm stri strictly speaking to men right now. Right? Like the marriage is solely square on our shoulders. We were given that command to love our wives. We were given that command to love our wives, to empower mm -hmm. our wives, as Christ loved the church. If God doesn't turn his, if Christ doesn't turn his back on me, how dare I turn my back on my wife? How dare I? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you, push forward your wife it's not a shoving her into it it's you know and this is true for leadership i was gonna no say tell what. me tell me your story because i know like, melissa had some struggle at first to, to to do it but dude she's killing it now. well it's and i kind of wonder how much i i was wrong and how much i was right and when i pushed um <laughs> well you don't know the fruit's there right yeah and that's that's you know sometimes just like an employee or just like a kid, at points you have to push because you know what's best for them, right? And, and so you got to push through the resistance. And that was kind of where it was with her was like kind of pushing through that resistance. Um, and, and there were things she was resistant to in terms of getting closer in her relationship with God. But once that wall broke down, then it was pure encouragement. Right? There, there's so many people that it, it just honestly takes pure encouragement of like the successes and pointing out the successes and moving them forward because the the problems and the mistakes can get cleaned up 
And, and as long as those don't become habitual behaviors, people will, will most of the time recognize that mistake. Yep. And, and they, especially husbands and wives, a lot of times what we do, like you, you were kind of pointing this out of like the, the accusation instead of big mistake. And I'm not, I'm not saying this no, to no. you, but like the, the, the idea of like, okay, I can, I can find all the mistakes. And she and I were actually talking, you know, the other day of like, I was telling her more and more it, I'm struggling with this idea of critique yeah. and, and finding the problems and the mistakes and everything. And, and, you know, of course she's a loving wife, so she's kind of like, well, it's, you know, but it's, it's good to be able to have that type of insight into things and that discernment. But what becomes dangerous is then you don't start seeing the successes. And I think especially with somebody who's timid or, you know, new leaders, like that encouragement of, look, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to get your hands dirty. So learn from me and my mistakes and my experiences and learn from your own. Learn from your own failures. Move forward, right? So it, it, there's a lot of weight lifted off if you know the Lord's got it. And I don't mean that in a cheap, like, whatever, God's got it. I can do whatever I want. I mean, in a sense of your failure can't outmaneuver God. Amen. Right. And there's a freedom in that. And it, yeah, he knew it, you were going to fail. Yeah. And, and it, he's not that he's going to completely compensate it for it, but his will is still going to get done. And there are still lessons that you can learn through it. So go out, encourage your, your followers, your people to, to explore and to be okay with making mistakes. And when they do make a mistake, come alongside encourage and help correct the mistake. That's right. Right. And I think with her, the big thing was that encouragement aspect and she's, she's nailing it because she, she's bought into the vision that God has for her and, and she's really buying into the place that God has her. And that from my position took encouragement and, and a little bit of stretching, but she really started to stretch herself because she's, she found her own feet and she started moving forward. And she was right in her wheelhouse of loving yeah. on people, right? And she's good at it too. It, she's she's amazing at it. And she she keeps me on my toes. <laughs> she keeps me moving forward. It's a good forward, wife. Right? You know, and and that's that's what I think a husband is supposed to do is encourage and keep your wife moving closer to God. Because God's the one who will take care of it. God's the one who will move the pieces around. And sometimes we as husbands have to submit to God and what God's vision is for our wives in order for our wives to succeed. Because Dude. if we fight against his vision and we try to do our own, that's good. and it's against what God's vision is, well, both her and I are going to suffer. But if I'm completely bought into his vision... His vision is perfect for who she is and what her skills are and where 100%. she's going to be placed, you know. And and the more I kick against the goads, yeah, the harder it's going to be for her, and the more struggle and strife and pain and tension she's going to have working through all this stuff. It's true, man. You know? And it's 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 funny because I think more and more as leaders, I think more and more as we get into this topic of leadership, this is kind of like just an overview of just general leadership. We'll probably get into. Specific topics, you know, later on. But I think the whole idea of leadership is so tricky mm -hmm. because leadership now is success. 
Now, how many leaders back in the day didn't see their success? You know what I mean? Like Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy. They were tremendous men that didn't see their successes. Tremendous men. I mean, they were, they were, again, they had their flaws, right? I know we're probably getting some people, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that about such and such. You know, they were men who took their call, man, and they died for it. You know what I mean? It's like, regardless of what you think they were, they were not able to live out and see their success. Which is kind of scary for a lot of people. It is. It is because, you know. Scary for me. Right? It is. I think any, any, any person, I was going to say man, but I don't think it applies to just men. Any person wants to know that their life meant something. I believe yeah. people who are on the verge of taking their own lives, is they don't see the purpose of their life. They don't see a vision in their life. They don't have you know, a purpose. They don't have a, 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 a reason to live. You know what I mean? And if they did, it was stripped by somebody or something or some circumstantial situation. But this whole idea of leadership is a tricky topic because there's so many people that talk about it, right? But it works for them in their lane. Mm-hmm. We're talking about leadership under God that yeah. works in any lane. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something to be said about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you take this, those four things, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, love God with every single thing you have, which then communes into your time, your resources, your effort, you know, your attitude, everything like that. People think it's metaphysics. It's not. It's not speaking something in, in, into existence. I have to keep my, 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 my emotions in check. Put my body in subjection, dude. I can't just be willy-nilly just going off getting mad at people because I'm mad at what they did. You know what I mean? So I have to be careful. Keep my body in subjection to Christ. So you look at love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. If you can do that, the next one's easy. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you love yourself and you love God, you won't lie. You won't treat them. You won't mistreat them. You, you, You won't slander them. You won't berate them. You won't belittle them. You won't mock them. You won't, you, you know, you won't steal from them. You won't lie. You won't any of that. You won't do any of that. If you love yourself, you'll do what you want other people to do to you, encourage you, lift you, build you, uh, train you, uh, uh, mentor you, right? Push you up, give you a spot, a chance in life. Sometimes, because a lot of businessmen, they hear a lot of the words, no, but man, what if you were the one that was supposed to give that kid a yes? And give them a chance. You know what I mean? If you really love God, you'll hear from the Spirit who to give a yes to, where to set boundaries at. All these things become a part of your life. And that's where I think we're going to be hitting this topic of leadership so much is that there's so many areas that, like, what I learned isn't uh, what uh, one size fits all. Like, my style of leadership is definitely not a one size fits all thing. You know, it's it's unique. It's its own little niche, you know, like, for me, right? I, what I tell you isn't... Apply it to your life and how does it work? Learn from, you know, stuff that we learned. Dude, and we're going to talk about failures on this one. Dude, I was in a bad group for 12 years. I learned what it was like to put up with bosses that were that were needy, that 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 didn't respect the worker, that didn't respect uh, uh, your time, that didn't manage you well. Uh, that love to berate you because it made them feel better, right? That was insecure. So I've been under those kind of leaders. How it made me in my marriage with my kids, that kind of mindset just destroyed me for, for a year, year and a half, right? That I couldn't even like, I couldn't stand being me, you know? So what it took to go through those failures, and there was a lot of failures I made on my own, you know, just, you know, there was a point where I was kicked out of ministry for about three to four months because of pride. He humbled me, dude. I'll tell you all about that stuff. I don't have a problem saying any of that. But then I'll tell you, man, about 
the victory, dude. When you step out in faith, man, it's scary to jump when you don't have anything, and to see God move is something. It's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever be a part of, and nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take away what God's done in your life. That's why people are like, how do you know God's real? I don't need to intellectually tell you, though I can intellectually tell you. I can tell you scientifically certain things that make me believe that God exists. It's totally experiential. It's an experience It's an experience that you just can't describe to people. It's something he puts in your heart, and that's where leadership comes from. Yeah. I think one important aspect that had come to my mind is the idea of servanthood, um, when, when you look at Christ and you look, especially the washing of the disciples feet, this was something that he was doing in order to, you know, show, look, I'm serving. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting down on my knees to wash you. And I think servanthood is a very, very important starting point. Which Pastor, we'll talk about. Pastor Todd was talking about, you know, fellowship, fellowship right? The idea of servanthood. Um, recently one of my supervisors, he stayed late to do something that was really just grunt work. And the next day I, I kind of joshed him or chided him. I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that. That's you. Come on, man. It's like, you're, you're too old for that. And not a dude, this guy can outwork 20 year olds, right? He's 65, but he can outwork 20 year olds. But it's kind of like, look, th- you don't need to be doing that. But what he said was, I'm not going to make them do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Ooh. And I, I've seen him, again, action and behavior. I've seen him prove that time after time after time of he's willing to do anything, right? And so I hold a lot of respect to watch him do that and then ask me to do something, right? It's like, I know he would do it. And I know he would do it right alongside me. And he would do it well. And he would do it well. And he would work hard. And I've seen it on the other end of the spectrum where, you know, a boss will avoid something and point the finger and tell you to do it. (laughs) You don't have a respect for that boss because what that boss is basically saying is, I'm too good to do this. You should do it. Right. And no matter what, even if we do it and we say, look, I'm serving God doing this, there's still that pang of like, you're not willing to do what you're asking me to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something really important for a leader to remember is like, are you asking your people to do something that you're not willing to do on your own? Ooh, you know, when when I was running Killwinds, if if we had like three or four just really nasty tasks to do, I would give people the option. You know, the bathroom just got destroyed by some random homeless guy and, you know, the kitchen is a mess and needs to be completely overdone, right? I would look at my employee and go, okay, which one do you want to do? And they would pick. Usually the kitchen, kitchen, right? (laughs) And I would grab the mop and I would grab the spray bottle and I'd go into the bathroom because the, the effect and the lesson they learned was, I'm not above you. I will actually make sure that you're taken care of. And what? I'll allow you to do what, you know, what... 100%. <laughs> what but the, res- but the respect factor is yeah. there to you because they see you're not just giving orders. You're yeah. willing to pull them with you. Like, that's a real boss. That's a real leader. Someone that you can... Like, they're pulling you with them. You know, uh, I've, 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 been, I've been graced with 
two, three people in my life, you know, aside from various others, but like three major figures in my life that have pulled me forward yeah. in ministry, that have seen every pitfall that I'm going to have because of my personality, because I say yes to everything and I'll do everything. I'll make sure yeah. everybody gets taken care of. And then correct me in the most cool way. It was harsh, but it was cool, like how they did it, that, man, your heart is gold, but you will die. (laughs) You'll fizzle out. You'll burn out. You'll this and that. And, of course, when I was 27, 26, when I first met Bob, it was like, no flipping way. There's no way, dude. I got too much energy. I'm that guy that'll work, sleep four hours a day, literally. Sleep four hours, you know, sleep four hours a day, get up, do it again. Just keep working. Work, 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 work. And it's it's constant. You know, I, I can't do that no more. No. I, I can't like be, the the stress it takes to run when you're tired. Now I've learned to do that. I can do it, but the stress it takes, the mental capacity, mm-hmm. it's hard to shut your brain off once you start doing that because you're hyped up on caffeine. You always got to do something, right? Because I'm always drinking coffee or whatever. It I it, it, it I take it out of my kids. Not mean. I just don't spend time with them or I'm yeah. tired. I just want to lay down and take a nap. And you train yourself to always be thinking, always be running, right? And, and Melissa and I are working on uh, how do you actually rest because even when i'm resting my mind starts thinking 100%. about all of this stuff and i i've actually taken active mental uh work in boundary like perfect example we were at home depot yesterday with isaac because he loves the lawnmowers and the weed whackers and all that. So like going there is like going for ice cream for him, <laughs> which is fine by me because I enjoy Home Depot. So it's like, whatever. You don't buy anything. <laughs> exactly. We don't have to buy anything. He sits on the lawnmowers and the riding tractors and he loves it. But I found myself so tempted time after time after time after time to start thinking about work stuff, whether it was ministry, whether it was actual work, whether it was this, whether it was that. All of the stuff that I could be thinking about, it, I had to physically or mentally block myself from thinking about. Every time the thought would start, to be like, no, I'm here with my kid. I'm here with my wife. I don't need to be thinking about that right now. Right? And, and that, that speaks to that idea it of does. like, it's dangerous to get in that mode. Straight up. And you had people over you who were willing to say, you're going to kill yourself you absolutely need yeah. rest. It's not, and which is diametrically opposed to somebody who says, well, you need to work a little bit longer or, or I really need, yeah, you, I need you to, to send this. five more emails before you go home. Exactly. Or, you know what I mean? Now, now why are you going home at five when you could be going home at five 30? There's a lot to do, you know, like yeah. just this attitude of I need more. That's, that's greedy. It is greedy. On somebody's part. And it destroys know? people. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, I mean, you've warned me about it uh, many times. My wife's warned me about it. You know, like, dude, you're, you know, you're, you crush yourself about, Mm -hmm. dude, Friday, Friday, I sat on that couch and did nothing. Good. We went out to lunch because it's, it's my wife's day. She's like, I want to go home, take a nap. I sat on that couch. I am not even kidding you, man. I had half my stomach popped out. (laughs) My shirt was ridden up and I sat there. And I rested. Good. I did nothing. I have never done that before where I just rested and I didn't feel guilty. It's first time in my life I never felt guilty because it was I need to rest. It's my, one of my rest days. I, Sundays yeah. I work at the church and, I, you mm-hmm. know, we have Fridays and Saturdays off. We have self-evident we're doing constantly or the podcast or whatever. There's just a lot to do, right? There's a lot we can keep our hands in. But, dude, if it's me that has to do it all, then where's God? 
Yeah. Like, seriously, I'm not, not willing to put hand, my hand to the plow. He knows that. But when I put my hand to the plow and start to push for him, that's wrong. I need to rest. I need to stop for a minute, dude. Pay attention to the kids. You know, my, my, my 11-year-old wants to go to Harvard. Does he really? He does. He Good wants to move him. to Boston. He wants Good to move to Boston him. and go to Harvard. Now, people say that's a liberal college. No, I'm going to train my boy so he can stand up for himself at those colleges. I hope it works. Yeah. He's going to have to learn. Take his lickings like a man. That's what he's going to have to do, right? He wants to go to Harvard. My, my, my nine-year-old wants to start a business. My six-year-old, we don't know what he wants to do yet, but I mean, he's getting there, right? My nine-year-old wants to start a business. He wants money. You know, when they were telling me their ideas, I'm like, dude, that's insane. Well, Dad, you taught us to do this. I didn't even know that. They were like, Dad, yeah. you taught us. That. Isaiah told me, I want to move to Boston. I'm like, dude, I don't want you to leave. And he goes, well, you taught me to be my own man. You taught me that I have to go do things on my own. Isn't that what you said? Yeah. Things are caught, not taught, man. And that's leadership, is inspiring those around you. My sons want to be successful, not because I'm after success, because I'm after the best version of them that they need to be. Yeah. I'm empowering them the way Christ would, in the best way I can. I, of course, I have failed. Do you know how many times I've yelled at my kids for, for something stupid, which negates teaching when you make emotional, when you mm. make it emotional, if you get angry, negates the teaching, right? I have failed and failed and failed with my kids, and I'm seeing them grow up to be strong, formidable men, where they correct me now. Dad, you said, Dad, didn't you say? Dad, you said we shouldn't yell. You know what I mean? Like, they're correcting me, no. which is awesome. I want them to. That's, that's what they should do. Dad, we're, we're, we're in this together. My, my oldest son always says that to me, dude. He says, we're in this together. He always says that to me. God's not going to leave us, man. We're in this together. That's, that's beautiful. That's how you want to lead your kids. I, again, they're not, again, I'm not, per, I'm just telling you, like, from where we were five years ago to now, extremely different. You know, you were with us, yeah. dude. He would he would testify. My wife and I would yell at each other all the time, not out of argument. That's just how we communicated. That's how we got stuff across. Even now, it's like we don't talk to each other like that no more. We don't. Yeah. You you've commented and Melissa have commented so many times. Oh, man, you guys have changed. Yeah, because we have good leaders over us. I've got good leaders that care about us and submit to us, and that's what we want to. Come across with this here podcast, you know? Yeah, and and we probably will do another one because I think it's such a large topic Huge to, to carry topic. through for so long. Um, and the one thing that I think we want to get through tonight is like you've got experiences that are both going to teach you and failures that are going to teach you as well. And there's, there's lessons to be learned from both of them. But I think the takeaway from this is a leader is somebody who learns a leader is somebody who 100%. really, really takes something yep. from it and, and builds off of it and goes, you know, you were talking about people who are good leaders who have been over you. And I think right now you're in a very good situation because you finally have a, a, a true leader who has come alongside you and really taken you under his wing, Straight up. but showed at the same time shown complete, like excitement and faith in who you are yep. and who God has chosen you. Right. And yeah. so that's created a mentor mentee situation, 100%. um, relationship, 100%. right. And you've bought into it because you trust him. Right. And, and he's bought into it because he trusts you. 100%. But it's, it's so much easier to take criticism, correction, encouragement from somebody you completely trust than somebody who you don't trust with your 
your emotions, your feelings, your standing, your position, whatever, you know, like you've also been in those situations where it was somebody who you didn't trust at all. And so every time they corrected you, it, it was hard, you know, and it hurt and it bit and it crushed because they were bad at it and you didn't trust them. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and so now you, you know, that's another takeaway for, if you're a leader, that's good. man, you better respect the relationship that you have between you and the people underneath you because as you lead them, they're either going to come to trust you and come under your wing or they're going to push away from you. And and they're going to they're not going to trust you and it's going to be very difficult for you to convey change. 100%. Yeah. 100%. No. And again, you're you're in podcast 57. If you guys go online theselfevidenttruth.com, we were just talking about the principles, I think the beginnings of leadership. We really want to train on this uh, because, guys, it's, you know, we may even do podcasts or uh, like how to start a podcast, how to start a ministry. That's all leadership. That's all that's going to come under this umbrella, which is, I think, a good a good way for us to segue into this. What we talked about today was just some principles that we see we've kind of grown up in. Why do we take a, a role like this? Uh, we don't take our roles lightly. Um, we know that if we're going to influence our country in some way, shape or form, it starts locally and we, we want to influence those above us. Uh, to teach and people respect that. I think that's a good thing. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in again. Podcast 57. If you go online, the self truth.com, you can find out more information. We're actually coming up with some new stuff, man. We got new logos, uh, a whole new website's coming. I mean, new merchandise. It's going to be a blast, man. We're, 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 we're it's, you're going to see a whole new thing in, in the next couple months uh, uh, from us. And, and so far, what we want to say is we love you. Thank you so much for your support, for all the comments and the likes and, you know, wherever we go, wherever we travel, you guys seem to just be so on board of what we're doing. And we're so appreciative of that, Mike and I. Um, and you keep him going because um, he needs it. <laughs> I'm kidding. We all need it. Uh, so God bless you guys. We love you. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Love you guys.